If you'd like to open your Bibles at uh, 1 John 4, that's not John 4, that's 1 John, further to the back of your Bibles. My title this morning is this, Loved People Love Best. Loved People Love Best. And let me start by asking a few questions that I've written down here that um, if you're in the room, you may want to help me by answering these or making some noise. Uh, the more noise you make, actually, the faster I preach. So uh, that will help you. How would you like to be part of a church where you're going through some times of pressure and strain or struggle? There are some people who stand with you and encourage you and cheer you on in times like that. You fancy being part of a church like that? Yes. Yeah. How would you like to be part of a church, though some of your darkest secrets and failures and blemishes were known by many or maybe just a few friends, that you still felt that church was a really safe place to be and that you were still loved and accepted nevertheless? Fancy being part of a church like that? How would you like to be part of a church where the most weighty prayer burdens that you're carrying weren't prayer burdens you had just for yourself, but others were standing with you and encouraging you and praying alongside you for the things that are on your heart. Would you like to be part of a church like that? How would you like to be part of a church where one or two people in that church loved you and knew you so well that they would tell you the truth about you? Okay, not so sure about that one, are you? (laughs) But they would speak to you some things that might be difficult to hear, but you knew they loved you and were committed to you nevertheless to bring you through those things and to make you mature. You fancy being part of a church like that? How would you like to be part of a church where your gifts and talents were encouraged and valued and it wasn't a competition to see who was best at things, but every part of the body worked in its gift to bless one another and to build the body of Christ up? Would you like to be part of a church like that? How would you like to be part of a community of people that when they're facing problems and difficulties with one another, they had a commitment inside themselves that they were going to resolve those difficulties through prayer and chatting it through and that they would come out the other end loving one another more than they did before. You fancy being part of a church like that? How would you like to be part of a church? I'm just waiting for all the technical stuff and I'll stop asking questions. How would you like to be part of a church where the words, I was wrong, please forgive me, or I forgive you, were words that flowed to one another right from the heart, maybe with a hug to match? You fancy being part of a church like that? Where would you go in our day to find that sort of community? Good life fitness? Join a political party, go and see a counsellor and spill the beans to them, frequent a bar, Starbucks, New Life Church, night classes. Where can you find that sort of community with that sort of commitment and with that sort of protection and with that kind of intimacy and love for one another? You see, I believe this morning that when God created and designed a church, he had something that wonderful, that intimate, that personal, that encouraging, that sense of standing with one another because of what Christ has done in us, in mind for his church. Because I think God knew there would be times that we'd go through times of pressure and struggle. And I believe God designed church so that we stand with one another, so we know one another, we love one another, and we 
really encourage one another and not just for our problems, but we also celebrate our successes in life. So he designed his church to be full of encouragement and prayer and help and hope and healing. I reckon God knew that sometimes even our own flesh and blood family wouldn't be there for us to be able to come through things. So he designed his church to be that wonderful. And I've been part of a church like that. I just want to say that when I was when I was first a Christian, I was a mess. All right. I came to Christ in a total mess. And having not had a father in my background, the church were like a father to me. They they taught me how to handle my money. They taught me how to handle people in in a nice and godly way. And they it was the church. Actually, I'm a testimony of what the church does in the lives of people when they've committed themselves to Jesus. They wrapped themselves around me. They forgave me. They helped me. They uh, encouraged me to grow in the giftings that I had. So this morning, I want to focus in on a core value of this church. Okay. It's not a correction. I'm not here correcting New Life Church today. It's not a rebuke or come on, do better, but rather to say, you're good at this, but I really believe God wants you to grow in it in the season ahead. I believe you're a good church in these areas that I've shared, but I believe God wants you to be a great church, to be growing in God's love and using God's love. So we're going to look together this morning at 1 John 4 verse 7. And it's a core value straight out of God's word. It says this, dear friends, let us love one another. For love is of God. In this church, you have core values. Uh, I've been to New Life Church enough now to know what the core values are. Okay, Uh, core value of this church is good teaching. Okay, I think we'd all agree with that. A core value is helping the stranger. People who've come from every tribe and tongue and nation, from every distant place. I've seen people come and be welcomed and be gathered in. Um, helping the stranger or the visitor. Uh, having fellowship across the city is a, a core value. Having hospitality together is a core value. But I think there's a strong, also a strong core value in this church of family. You know, you know, I go to many churches and there's some churches I go to. There is no sense of family, family at all. You know, I went to a church once and I sat down in the the, uh, the row and I took my daughter there. I was preaching there the following Sunday and I'd never been to this church before. So we went to visit and we sat down in a chair and within a few minutes, somebody came up and said, excuse me, would you mind moving? You're sitting in our row. That's not a sense of family, is it? And we we felt quite rejected the following week when I stood up to preach. It was interesting how that whole row looked a bit shocked. Oh, he's going to preach this week. But as we look this morning at 1 John 4 verse 7, this is a core value that I think goes above all the other core values. Because love is not just something we share with one another. Actually, Jesus said, by this, the world is going to know that we are the disciples of Jesus by the love we have for one another. I think it's a rare church Not just that loves one another, but is perfected in love, as this scripture we're going to read tells us that we need to do. And so we need to grow in it and we need to uh, move on. But thankfully, when God says in his word, dear friends, love one another, he doesn't just leave it at that. Thankfully, he, he, he goes on to show us how we can love one another, how we can be resourced to grow in love for one another. So he doesn't just say love one another and leave it there. He gives us the how. This is what it says. Dear friends, let us love one another for love 
comes from God. Love emanates from God. And then in the next 14 verses, he goes on to explain that the only way we can truly love one another is if we have a resource of God's love within our lives. And so as I read the passage, I want you to listen out to the connection between God loving us and our ability to love. There's a a correlation between the two, God loving us and us loving others. And, And I want to heighten our awareness of that. Because there's a resource in God that the more I'm living in the love of God, the more I'm going to be able to love other people. Because we love because he first loved us. That's what it's going to tell us. So let me read it. Dear friends, and and look out for the correlation between God loving us and us loving others. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And then in the negative... Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. As Dan was encouraging us to sing about this morning. Dear friends, since God so loved us, We also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how that this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. What is the what's the first fruit of the Holy Spirit? Anybody want to tell me what that is? What's the first fruit of the Holy Spirit? It's love. It's love. So God has put his spirit within us. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is our love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we will be like him. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear is to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. But we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister who they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. You know, sometimes we receive the love of God and we begin to love others. But this passage is about being perfected in love. It's about growing in love. And I would like to go as far as to say this morning that actually we need to live in love. It's not a momentary experience. It's not like I got out of bed one day and suddenly I go around loving everybody. It's a growing thing. It says he who lives in love lives in God. And how do we live in love? We live in the love of God. We allow his love to permeate our lives and we believe the truth of what he's done for us in Jesus. We need to know and believe God's love for us. We need to know and believe. And I I think, you know, the scripture says to us in there. And so we rely, we, we, we rely. It's sort of like leaning into God's love, enjoying God's love for us every day. This is where we start. It's not trying to love. It's not like every day I get out of bed and think, okay, I'm gonna, gonna work up some love. 
I'm nearly there. Oh, it's not like I'm trying to work up some love so I can go. And, no, what I've got to do is get close to God. He's the source of the love that is going on in our lives. So we rely, we lean into him. It's living in the light of the immense love that God has for you. It's loving in the light of the immense love that God has given to you. It's knowing and believing God really loves me that much. And note here as well, it says in the passage, he loved me first. We love because God loved us first. And what that shows us is it's not like God loves Chris McLean because he's very loving. No, actually, it starts with God. Our salvation starts with God. He loved us first when we were dead in trespasses and sins. When there was nothing godly about us, God loved us and poured his love into our lives to make us this new creation of his. God loved us first. When we were unlovely, when we were hostile, when we were enemies of God, God set his affections on us and he loved us. When we were dead in trespasses and sins, God loved us. And the reason I'm underlining that is this, the emphasis is on what God does and not what we do. When we start looking for it in ourselves, we don't find it. It's in God. It's in God's love. It's believing God has made us new and alive and put his spirit in us. We've been born of God. You know, it says that anyone who loves has been born of God. If we've been born of God, we have God's spirit in us. Okay, we're going to be like God. And what is God? God is full of love. Therefore, we have his characteristics. We begin to love others because God has loved us. It's a bit like um, we have a new nature. We have the father's nature. We have this new nature. And what is the, our father loves people. Therefore, we love like our father does. You know, there are, there are characteristics in the family. As God has loved us, so we love others. And this love is not that we love God, but that he loved us. That's what it says in our passage. It's not that we loved God and, and endeared ourselves to him. No, God loved us when there was nothing to love about us. And then it says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's not a momentary experience and its resource comes from God. It's living in God's love and growing in God's love. You know, one of my favorite books is about God's love. It's uh, the Children's Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. I don't know if any of you have ever seen this book. And in it, she describes God's love for us as a never stopping Never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. I really like that. You know, most preachers who stand up when they quite quote Lloyd-Jones are not preaching from Sally Lloyd-Jones. All right. But here, this is such a great quote. quote. It, it, she describes it as a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And I really believe as Christians, if we're living in that sort of love of God, not trying to please him with things we do, but living in the love that God has given to us, I believe that we are going to be able to love others better out of that resource. For us, according to this passage, to grow in love for one another, we need to know and be sure and believe and put our trust in God's love directed to us. It is that never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. So what sort of love am I talking about there? I'm talking about a love that caused God to send his son to redeem us. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins. 
I'm talking about a love that crushed Jesus in our place on the cross. That's the extent of the love of God. I'm talking about a love that raised Jesus up from the dead for our justification so that we could be declared righteous here today. I'm talking about a a love that adopted us so that we could forever be in relationship with God as our father. You know, this is book I've had for many years now. It was the first Christian book I was ever told to buy. It's by a guy called J.I. Packer. It's called Knowing God. They said, you need to read this book. And it's got such a great line in it. And it's a, it says, to be right with God, the judge, is a great thing. And I have to be honest, before I was a Christian, I was quite fearful of God the judge. It says, to be right with God the judge is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by the Father is an even greater thing. You see that? It's, it's, it's saying, it's great to be right with God because of what Jesus has done and the wrath of God being taken away. But to be adopted into God's family shows us the extent of God's love. It's an even greater thing. You know, I'm just glad that there's not thunderbolts whenever I stand up to speak because of my sinful background. But actually, God didn't just take away the, the sinfulness. He actually made me one of his children. I'm adopted into his family. I am loved by him. That's the extent that we have been loved. And so it's also, just to finish that list, it's a love that nothing can separate us from. It's a love that nothing can separate. It's an always and forever love. The question is, do we really believe that God loves us that much? I meet many Christians who don't really believe that God loves us that much. It's a bit like God is tolerating us. He's like, yeah, they're right, but you know, I've got better people in my family. No, it's not, it's not what it's like. I think if we're honest, we're tempted at times to push this love away because we're not used to the amazing sense of God's love. We feel it's not fair. We don't feel we deserve it. We don't feel we've really earned God's love. And so we we keep it pushed away from us a bit. But actually God wants to know he really does love us that much. That he really does specifically love each one of us that much and wants us to be living in his love. And the point is this. We don't deserve it. You know, we haven't earned it. And so we're tempted rather than to receive his grace and his love and his care on the basis of this grace, getting what we don't deserve. We maybe want to earn it. And we slip into thinking, have I got any merit in me that makes God love me? Can I lift my hands in worship this morning? Are there any things that maybe disqualify me? No, there's nothing that disqualifies us because it's Jesus who qualifies us. And that's such an important thing. We can be tempted to think God really doesn't love me that much. Or maybe we're fearful that we could lose this love when God sees that we fouled up again. You know, I probably fouled up again this week sometime. Does that disqualify me? No, because it's not about me. It's about Jesus and his finished work. God's love given to me in Christ. And as the father loves the son, so he loves us. And Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. We really are loved that much. And so I find myself saying again, it's not about us. The reason the gospel is good news, it's not about us. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good Jesus was. It's about how God has loved us in Jesus, his finished work, his perfect obedience, his sacrifice in our place. 
It's his rising again to new life. It's brought us this amazing love of God, not just to forgive us, but to adopt us and make us his dearly loved children. You know, I was in Etobicoke recently, and a guy came forward at the end for prayer. It was an Alpha event, and he came forward. He said, I'd really like you to pray for me. I said, yeah, okay, let's pray. And then he wanted to share his life with me, and he told me all the stuff he'd been going through, and he'd really messed his life up. It was a total mess. And then he said this to me, Chris, Chris, can you tell me why God loves me? Can you tell me? Look look at my life. Can you tell me why God loves me? And this doesn't sound very pastoral, I've got to be honest with you. But I looked at him and I said, you know, listening to you, I don't know. I haven't got a clue why God might love you. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure I really like you. And he, and he looked at me like in horror, like, but Chris, like, give me some hope here. And I looked at him and I said, the problem you've got is this. You're looking within yourself. None of us have any hope if we look within ourselves. If I'm looking in my life, why would God love me? I want you to know what I'm looking at in me. I'm looking at Christ in me. I said to him, you're looking in the wrong place. And his eyes began to light up a little bit, right? Because I think I'd quite offended him. But you see, if we're looking in the wrong place, we're not going to live in the love of God. If we're looking to ourselves, We're going to be quickly discouraged. We're going to see how we don't always measure up. We're going to see how we don't always perhaps please God in everything we do. And we're going to discourage ourselves and discount ourselves. Listen, whatever you do, don't look to yourself. It's Jesus who's our saviour. It's Jesus who's our Lord. It's Jesus who's sent the Holy Spirit so that we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Christian life is not about us finding something within ourselves that God might be pleased with. No, it's looking to the one that God sent, who he thoroughly is pleased with, who lives in us by his spirit now. And so that's why we can know and rely on the love that God has for us. What love does God have for us? He has Jesus who came and cleansed us and made us right with God. That's the good news of the gospel. There's no other gospel. There's no other way to get into relationship and the love of God but by Jesus. When I came to Christ, I went to, uh, I thought it was a rock concert. I went with my friend. It was a Christian meeting. They'd lied. And, uh, and once I got there, I heard the gospel. And the guy said this. He said, if you could get to heaven by being good, um, you know, why did God send Jesus? And I said, I don't know. Why did he send Jesus? Isn't it about how good I am? And at the end of it, he explained why Jesus came. And I went down to the front and I gave my life to Christ. Now, I want to tell you, I was no more sinless when I got to the front than I was before. But a guy said to me, you need to put your trust in Jesus. And as soon as I put my trust in Jesus, it made sense to me. It came alive to me. The love of God, that God loved me. Why would he love me? Look at a mess of my life. You see, and knowing the mess of my own life, why would I appoint that pointed that guy to his own life. Listen, the love of God is what we're securing every day. Not securing the love of Chris, I'm securing the love of Christ. That's what I'm looking to. So don't look to yourself, we'll be discouraged. If we look to ourselves for some redeeming merit or reason, we're not going to get there. It's as we lift our eyes and we look at what God did for us in Jesus that we're going to say, yeah, God really loves us. And we can live in that love. And and in verse 16 of our passage, it says this. And so we know, that's the first thing to know, we know 
and we rely on the love that God has for us. In your Christian life, know that God loves you because of Jesus and rely on that love. Puts your faith in that, in that because God really loves you that much. Kevin DeYoung gave this amazing quote, which really helps me to package for you today what God is really saying. He says this, we will not be fully mature until this love, God's love, is planted in our hearts. We will not live as God's holy ones until we first know we're his beloved ones. We will not treat our neighbours with mercy until we comprehend God's massive mercy towards us. We do not know anything about Christianity till we know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I love that bit at the end, that surpasses knowledge. God's love is mind-blowing. All right. When we look at ourselves, we think, why would God love me? I'll tell you why, because it's God's love surpasses knowledge. Anne was touching on that this morning. And so we're going to lean into God's love. We're going to rest in God's love. We're going to know and rely on the love that God has for us. The key, the key to being a church that is full of love and able to accomplish all those things I asked the questions about in the morning is this, that we love because he first loved us. That's got to be our, our resource. We're out of God's endless supply of love for us that we love other people. At the end of Ephesians 3, Paul prays that Christians will know this love. He says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, that what? That surpasses knowledge. He's speaking about the mind-blowing love of God towards us that we definitely don't deserve. I think it's important in these days that we as Christians don't move a step forward without knowing and believing that God really does love each one of us specifically that much. Other than that, we're going to try and earn it. We're going to try and deserve it. But I want you to know that if you've trusted in Christ, you've already got all the resource you need. If you've received the Holy Spirit, you've got all the resource you need. Paul is saying here, you really, you really need to know this. You know, you know, sometimes you know something and then other times you know that you know that you know something, if that makes sense. Probably not English, but you, you just know that God loves you. God wants us to live in that love. God wants it to strengthen us and receive his specific, passionate, steadfast, unshakable love for us. So he uses two terms in that passage in Ephesians 3. Are you rooted in God's love? Do your roots go down deep into God's love? Are you grounded? I love these two words. In other words, is is God's love in your life the concrete underneath your foundations? So in other words, it's talking about the love of God going deep down into our lives so that we are unshakable. Roots stop the tree from falling over in a storm. 
concrete foundations stop the house from falling over when the grounds is shifting around or soft below. It's really important for us, for the sake of being the church of Jesus Christ in our day, to really live in and believe in the love of God for us. To worship in the love of God for us. To celebrate the love of God for us. Why? Because it's true. And we're a people of truth. And so we need to make sure today, are you rooted? I want to ask you specifically. I know we're online, but I sort of want to look you in the eye and say, are you rooted in God's love? Because nothing else is going to get you there. Are you grounded in God's love? Do you remind yourself of God's love? It's the love of God and it's the grace of God. It's the security of knowing that the work is done. That was prayed this morning as well about God has already done it all. That's what keeps us. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know what God meant when he said nothing can separate us? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. You know, if you look it up in the Greek, nothing. All right. Look it up in the German, nothing. All right. It means nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God when we've received Jesus Christ. And so God wants to give us today a clear motivation for love in the church. And what is it? It's confidence in his great love for you. That's what it's got to be. My title this morning was this, Loved People Love Best. Loved People Love Best. You see, if we know we are loved by God, we're going to find such a security in ourselves that we don't look for that love in the sort of relationships we have with other people in the church. We're not going to look for it somewhere else. We're not going to try and fill up our lives with love that comes from somewhere else, which is never going to satisfy. No, we've already got God's wonderful, amazing, grace-filled love given to us in Jesus. And therefore, we need to live in that love and remind ourselves of that love as we sing and celebrate the goodness of God. It's the love of God. It's the, it's the grace of God. It's knowing that Jesus has done it all, that it's secure and it's assured. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes, into our lives. One of the things he does right at the beginning is gives us that assurance of God's love. We're assured. We really are his. It's what keeps you. It believes that it's, it's like believing that nothing in all creation, including your sorry self, you know, just including your the mess of your life, nothing's going to separate you from the love of God. Because Jesus has dealt with your past and Jesus has dealt with the sin and Jesus has dealt with everything, as we've heard in several times this morning. Jesus has paid it all. This is your new motivation for obedience. What is it? Confidence in his love. As a church, we are the people of God who've received and been transformed by the love of God, the great love of God, and who are now living out that love towards one another and before the world who are watching us. And so we don't boast in ourselves, we boast in Christ. That's what the church does. We boast in Christ. And when people say, "What? why are you so joyful? Why are you so loving? Why are you?" It's because of Christ within us. That's our resource. It's got to come from there. We love because he first loved us. That's the deal. We've got to get that into ourselves. 
Having been loved, so loved by God, when someone upsets me in the church, you've ever been, let me just look for an honest uh, church in this place. Uh, has anybody ever been upset by somebody in the church? Do I have a hand? Or 10? Or 12? <laughs> Sometimes it happens. But how can I be offended with somebody else in the church when God has loved me so much? You know, in, in Matthew 18, you know, you've got that story of the rich young ruler. Uh, it's not the, the sorry, the, um, the unmerciful servant who he, he goes to the king and the king says, come on, you pay the deal. You, and he's, he lets him off. He says to him, no, 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 you go away. And he owed the king a great debt. And then he went away and he gets hold of some guy who owed him $20 and he's sort of throttling him around the neck. What hasn't he grasped? He hasn't grasped quite how much he's been loved. And that's what God wants us to do. You see, it's going to be easy to forgive when we realize what God has been has forgiven us of. We love because he first loved us. And so our motivation to love is not just, well, I, I want to or I'll, I'll give them another chance. No, it's hey, how can I not forgive them after all that God has forgiven me? How could I not? That's why the parable is written in there. Listen, having been forgiven a tremendous debt, would we not forgive a small debt? Do you know, I, I've been around church long enough now that I've seen people who left the church because somebody kicked a coffee over at home group in their home. I said, right, I'm never going to that church again. I was like, what? And seriously, they, they were totally offended that someone had kicked over a coffee at their home group. What a waste. I, got, I was like, no, they're not really good. They did. You know, they didn't understand. They didn't understand how much they'd been forgiven. And that their hospitality was a way of of showing love to other people. Having been loved with a great love, would we not love greatly? Think of the woman who came and and anointed Jesus uh, with the the jar of ointment. You know, know, Jesus said she, she loves much. Because she'd been forgiven much. It's a great example of this sort of love. She loves much. Why, why does she love so much? Why is she, why is she wasting all this perfume? Because she's been forgiven much. I want to encourage you to have a new motivation for love in the church. And that is this. You've been loved much. Actually, it says also of that woman, you know, her many sins have been forgiven. Her, or her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. How many of us have many sins? I'm a, I put myself in that category. But actually, it's the love of God that rescues us in that. It's the love of God that helps us through. Dear friends, let us love one another. For, for love comes from God. My desire this morning for you as a church is that you might know the love of God. And you might do the love of God. But we can't do the love of God unless we've received the love of God. We've got to be, we've got to be immersed in the love of God for us daily. We've got to be immersed in the love of God that he has towards us. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you today that we love because you first loved us. Father, thank you when we came to you, there was nothing in us that deserved your love. But Father, thank you that when we were dead in sin, when we were far off, when we were hostile, when we were enemies towards you, 
you loved us in Jesus and you've continued to love us and you're conforming us to the image of Jesus. Thank you for your commitment towards us. Father, I want to pray for New Life Church. Let New Life Church not only imbibe the love of God and receive the love of God, but I pray that it will be seen among them in the way they fellowship together, the way they have hospitality to one another, with one another, the way that they worship together, the way they eat together in everything. May it show the love of God to a watching world. And Father, may we enjoy that love and help us to forgive one another and help us to uh, uh, reach out to one another in your love and pray for one another and serve one another because you've loved us so much. Lord, I want to pray for this church to become greater and greater and greater at loving one another, to be perfected in love so that people, when they think about New Life Church, they say, Now there's a church that know the love of God and love one another. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.